Howdy ho, everybody. I still don't have a voice. Hi, Ash. Hey, how's it going? Aside it from going. the voice thing. I know. I feel fine. It's just my voice is gone. But I've had surgeries on my vocal cords, so they're just shot. So oh. I always lose my voice. Yeah, that's rough. So I, uh, in, in honor of Freight Awakening last night, um, I'm doing the laundry today. And I find a Jerry Garcia shirt. Oh my God. So I, I had to wear it. You're in your Jerry Garcia phase. For anyone who missed it last night, Ash was on Liberty Done with us last night. Um, and she was uh she was goaded on by John, uh, wouldn't take no for an answer. And so she came on in her uh Sunday best, yeah. which was my a, uh, my rainbow tie-dye bathrobe with hood <laughs> up. And the glasses with the glare so that I was, I felt hidden. I felt like I could like kind of hide away because I was on the air for 12 hours yesterday. And then John's like, Ash is refusing to come on and talk about Fannie Willis. And I'm like, damn it. I really do want to talk about Fannie Willis. Are you one of those people who um, like can't not take a dare? Yes. I, I just could have guessed that about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. I am, I am like the opposite, but um, I love that about you. And it was very fun seeing you in your um, your Juggalo hoodie. Well, yeah, and that was a really fun conversation as well. You know, for um, I like the new format of Liberty Den with kind of the drop in style I too. I do too. That was what we had pictured the Liberty Den originally was kind of you know like this casual hangout. We'd have a bunch of people, and I think you know somewhere along the line, you know, everybody got busy. They were doing their own shows and whatever, but also. Um, you know, I think John sometimes worry worries about having that many people that not everybody kind of gets to to speak. But I, but I think it always works. Yeah. And um, you know, these are the people. I think it's fun for us as hosts to get together in different kind of groupings than our normal shows. I think it's I fun agree. for the for the people watching also to see the different dynamics and also. Um, to hear everybody kind of just speaking casually because every show's got its kind of topic where people stay on it. And this is just like a free for all. So I like it too. Yeah. When I was in the chat before um, the show, you know, before I came on the show, somebody described it as the hangout room at the end of the week, mm -hmm. you know, like kind of just hanging out in the den, kind of kicking back, talking about what happened in the week. I love that description. I know. And that's, I mean, that's why we called it the Liberty Den. It was supposed to be like a bar kind of atmosphere. And originally it was me, John, and beer at the parade. And we would sit here with our beers or our cocktails and just kind of uh, shoot the shit. And, um, you know, it, it it was fun. But I, I think it's I think it's good to just mix it up every once in a while and just kind of make it a free-for-all and just be like, hey, whoever wants to jump on, jump on. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's, before we get into all of our topics, let's talk about our first two sponsors, starting with Love Litters. That sounds great. All right. All you Badlanders with purring pals and feathered friends, say hello to Love Litters. 100% pure kiln-dried wood, free from chemicals and oh so kind to Mother Earth. No dust, no mess, and no toxins. Just a lightweight solution that's gentle on your wallet and even gentler in your home. The biodegradable litter is crafted from wood destined for landfills, giving it new purpose in your pet's life. Cats love it. The astonishing formula works like magic to neutralize that notorious cat urine odor, keeping your home pine fresh and welcoming. And that is, uh, I think, one of its greatest selling points is the odor neutralization that comes with love litters. For bird lovers, it zaps moisture from bird droppings, crumbling them away. For reptiles and critters, too, our mix is crafted to dilute the pine scent, ensuring those little lungs stay happy and healthy. Plus, every 30-pound 30 30 bag 
of love letters will last up to six months, saving you money. Transform your pet care routine today. Visit badlandsmedia.tv slash litter. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash litter and breathe easy with a litter that loves your pet as much as you do. And I have it right here. You can see kind of in the side there, these little wooden wooden pellets. And yeah. uh, it is the smell. You smell have, is amazing. Super you have kitties, right? I have um, a cat a and cat. I have three dogs and there we have a lot of uh reptilian critters so you know uh -oh. throughout the years and right now we have two turtles and a leopard gecko but we've had oh. snakes and bearded dragons and all and boys i live in a frat house full of white crumbs that's so funny well do you want to hear a terrible story we had a hamster um his name was baldy and um we were out of the fluff that goes in the bottom and so my ex-husband um shredded a bunch of like newspaper paper magazine stuff put it in the bottom of the cage and the hamster was dead the next day oh no all of that ink is like the super toxic i guess yeah so yeah you really want to be careful with it. and that was the best freaking hamster too it was so um it was mellow but you could take it out and play with it it wouldn't run it didn't bite it would just like hang out with you it was the coolest hamster oh. i was so sad about that that is sad i know <laughs> well for my <laughs> sob stories let's talk about some gold co really fast up until now the digital dollar or cbdc has been nothing but a headache but right now things are developing at a rapid pace it started with a sweeping executive order from the biden administration and now central banks are even hiring for their development here's the thing a digital dollar can be used to track your purchases, control what you buy, and even seize or freeze your assets. That's why it's critical you protect your money with precious metals like gold or silver. I partnered with the top-rated precious metals, or we have partnered with the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co., because they're a great company with an amazing reputation. Right now, they're giving you up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. Plus, all qualified callers this week will receive a free Ronald Reagan silver coin, don't wait until all your money is under Biden's control. Go to badlandsgold.com and learn how you can get started today. That's badlandsgold.com. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking about um, in preparation for the show, uh, the impact of AI. We're going to mm -hmm. talk a little bit, a little bit about that in a completely unrelated to the financial system, but thinking about a digital dollar being able to track your every purchase and action against you. That's going to require a, a serious AI component, you know, to be a, a machine learning and AI to be able to track and um, and be able to, you know, with a with a string of code, wipe out all of your assets. Well, so, OK, have you seen these the new AI updates with video and what they are capable of? Mm -mm. OK, I, 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 we're going to I'm going to show this. Um because all right, I guess there there's been some new update with the with the AI, um, you know how you can make images and stuff like that. You can also make videos. So this is showing a difference between what its capabilities were a year ago and what they are capable of now. And this is rather terrifying. Hold on, let me see how I get this up. Um. All right. Hopefully you can see this. It doesn't really have sound. Okay, I can see it now. So this was a year ago. Obviously, that's Will Smith eating whatever. Yeah. I mean, even that's freaky. Um, and uh, 
people were posting, now this is what it can do now. These are things that people have used prompts to create AI vid videos. You can actually find threads of this on um, Twitter right now where people show you, uh, there wow. are, they show you the prompts of that they used and what the AI video generated. Now, this is just what we're seeing. When we see stuff like this, what I always think of is they're just now giving this to us. Exactly. But how long have they had capabilities of this and beyond this? And I mean, obviously, this is this is vis this is visual, but everything with AI is probably at least 20 years more advanced than whatever it is that they're giving us. Well, yeah. Um, we, so did you get a chance to see the Mike Benz Tucker interview? I didn't, but I keep hearing about it. Yeah, it's really good. I, I watched it this morning and, um, it's not new information, right? Like we've known, um, what, you know, foundation for freedom online found years ago, the, the GBI strategy stuff, the global engagement center, all of that stuff we know, but they tie, he and Tucker tie it into a good start to finish narrative. That's just like, you're watching it and you're like, holy shit. Like, how is it that we can actually, you know, Mike Benz and Tucker can lay this out in a way that you can go to your congressman or whomever and be like, look, they're violating our civil liberties and our rights up, down, and sideways all day, every single day. They've been lying to the American people, and they are um, getting away with it and doubling down and continuing to do it. And so that part's a little bit maddening, but what I was um, thinking of, and in, in the reason I, I brought that up in the context of this conversation, is he talks about how pretty much every technology that we use and rely upon in our lives began as a DARPA project. Interesting. And it's just how, you know, that's why we, that old Elon Musk said, we're living in a simulation. What does he mean? It means nothing's freaking real. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, and I remember that was one of the first rabbit holes, you know, one little side rabbit hole was finding out that the day that um, Facebook was um, created was the day after LifeLog from DARPA was ended. It was the same exact day. It was like, or the next day. It was like, oh, we're 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 ending LifeLog, which is, um, you know, basically a program that was used to track your data, track people's data. And oh no, it's gone now. But now we have this new thing that has absolutely nothing to do with LifeLog that we're creating on the same exact yeah. day that is going to track everything you do, you eat, where you go, who you're friends with, everything. And it's a total coincidence that Mark Zuckerberg just happened to found this, you know, exact same technology pro pro uh, product solving the exact same solution set out by DARPA in LifeLog that there are no coincidences. There's certainly not coincidences that are that, right? The exact same day. And all of a sudden, oh, look at this genius. Plus, he's a knucklehead. Has been a genius? I don't think he's a genius. Right. I don't think so either. I think all these people are all just fronts. Um, you know, I think I think anytime you see a blockbuster Hollywood movie made about somebody's life, um, they're probably and th that makes them the sympathetic character. They're yeah. probably not a sympathetic character. <laughs> you well, know. 
That's really interesting that you say that because I think the social network movie was intended to make him not explicitly so we didn't see him as a sympathetic. He comes off as a scumbag in that movie. He stole True. somebody else's tech and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's meant to give him additional credibility as a totally legitimate, you know, starter of Facebook, which he was not. It was handed to him and he's a actor and, you know who apparently can just now buy elections for $400 million. Right, right. Well, what about MySpace? Do you think MySpace was the same thing? Because that guy, you know, first of all, MySpace, anyone that was back using MySpace back then will tell you it was the best platform. Nothing has come yeah. close. And and it, it predated everything. And, and I remember when everybody was moving over to Facebook, I was so married to MySpace and I was like, I was trying to use Facebook. It was clunky. It was ugly. It didn't have any of the capabilities that MySpace had. I'm like, why? Why are we all moving? Everybody stop. Go back to MySpace. And that guy, Tom, um, just kind of like faded off into the sunset. So my, I think I've told you my theory on MySpace in the past. They had to put an end to it because it was teaching people to code. Oh, that's right. Too soon. That's right. I mean, we were all Brilliant. learning how to write HTML blocks and, you know, to be able to put little modules up and then we'd be able to find the error in the code when it didn't work properly. We were learning skill sets way too fast for them. You know, what's funny. I, uh, yesterday I saw that they are bringing back LimeWire and that was like a joke. I mean, that I was making even recently was about LimeWire. And it's funny because... Talk about, I mean, at least in my mind, what LimeWire was, was a way that you could download movies, music, video games, things like that. But it was super sketchy because you didn't know who was behind what you were downloading. And so people would end up with all these gnarly viruses on their computers and stuff like that. Maybe LimeWire just heard that viruses were making a huge comeback and so they did too. But it just seems with everything there is now, why the heck would LimeWire even be, like, are they going to bring back dial-up? Yeah. Well, there's the Dan Scavino post with the AOL dial-up thing that just, did you see that? Thing, Yes. <laughs> you know, okay. Like, really kind of the, I mean, other than the fact that dial-up was slow and the internet was slower back then, um, everything kind of regressed as far as the internet goes, you know, we started off kind of better. And then we got all of these platforms that weren't as good. And now we know we're created just to censor us. And, you know, maybe these are kind of nods to the fact that we're kind of going to, we're going to go back hopefully to the internet, the beginnings of the internet, where it was kind of the wild west. Maybe we got an internet bill of rights and um, some things to protect people in that space. But um I think we've certainly learned that as it's evolved, it has definitely gotten worse, the internet. Yeah, 100%. I think a big part of that is, you know, inter Internet Bill of Rights. I mentioned this last night. I think Internet Bill of, of Rights is really important. But my number one, you know, in that realm, my number one um, priority is data ownership. Because right now it is the Wild West when it comes to our data. And our data is a very intimate extension of ourselves it's the patterns of where we go it's who we talk to it's what we say it's what we think because as we're transitioning to you know between apps and looking things up and all the things that's creating what's you know referred to as data exhaust there's a trail of what you're doing it is um 
you know, big brother tracking that's already in place. And right now we have no rights to that data. We sign them away when we sign the terms and conditions. And then the, the, there are laws about personally identifiable information. Those laws are that they have to mask it. Like they masked General Flynn's identity in the, in the FISA courts, right? Um, it can be abused. It is being abused. It will continue to be abused until we reassert control over our data. Now, that's a really big, hairy problem to solve. It yeah. is, you know, every every company is a technology company now because all of our lives are online and all of commerce is online. So that creates a, a, a lot of burden for corporations and the government and the NGOs, and it disrupts a lot of the stuff they want to do. But it's not a, a bigger or hairier problem than we solved, you know, with the original Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. With the and that to me, it needs to be a priority because it's fundamentally um, impacting our ability to be free. And most people don't even understand how much of their liberty they're just giving away because it's oh technology. I don't, I don't really do technology. I just use you know I can just I can just go online and use my phone, but I'm not really worried about it. Well, you should be, and it right. sucks. And it's like yeah, not everybody. I've had to teach my mom how to download fonts like 15 times. Like it's, it, you know, not everybody is going to be, yes, I can. Not everybody is going to become a technical expert, but you need to understand the basic principles of liberty and how they extend online. And that um, I think is, is where we're falling down. And most of the solutions that I hear focus on, you know, trying to make the technology more secure or trying to um, make sure that there's a real strong government oversight function for, you know, think it's kind of how we got into this mess. A real strong government oversight function is the Twitter files, is, you know, what the, the problem that we're seeing. We don't want that, but we do want the ability to be free. And I think that has to start with data ownership. Yeah, it's such a hairy problem that you're right. People don't, um, you know, most people... Uh, especially older than our generation, don't get because it's kind of this invisible thing. And once they realize that it's not just that they're collecting these patterns about you, it's that they're collecting them to weaponize them against you and not just to sell you things. Although I do think that has been something that's very eye-opening to people once they're starting to realize that if they talk about something in front of their phone, the next time they go onto a social media, it will try to sell them something. And I've had friends completely test that out um, by talking about a cat food when they don't own a cat, talking about a cat food for the first time in front of their phone and then getting an ad for cat food when they went to Instagram. And, um, but it's, it's not, not, it's not against the law. You've right. consented to it when you've, when you've consented to whatever aspect of your phone software that makes your life convenient in that way, whether it's maps or it's, um, you know, predict pr pr uh, the type of heads when you're typing something and it populates, you are um, every every piece of that that you're consenting to. You're giving away a little bit of your sovereignty. You're allowing them to track you a little bit more, a little bit more. And when they're doing that to you, it might seem like, oh my god, this is such an invasion of privacy, and it is. But you've consented to it, and that's a big problem with technology: is that informed consent re requires being informed. And mm -hmm. people are not. We were talking a little bit last night about trade-offs, right? We can do, we can put our entire life on the blockchain, but what's the trade-off? To that right. what are the trade-offs because there's many right and that's something that in our society they say oh yeah we get consent you sign the terms and conditions you get consent 
Well, that doesn't make sense to most people. You're manipulating them and getting them to sign up for things that they're not informed about. And that is a violation of the law in pretty much every other domain, but not here. We need to make it one here. Well, and the other thing is that the part of the argument on that side is people will say, well, you don't have to use these apps. You don't have to use the social media. But what happened is our whole life has been shifted onto these apps. Everyone we know, these have become the public square. And it's almost like saying to them, well, you don't like you know, the downtown area. You don't have to go downtown. You don't have to go and be a part of society. You can just stay at home. Um, but you know, the internet if it, it, you know, it belongs, it belongs to people just like the world belongs to people. And, and, um, you can't, I don't think that's right to do. Yeah. The, you can't go downtown thing is really interesting. I giggled when you said that because that was a big old, um, so, uh, COVID right before COVID I worked down across from Coors Field, downtown Denver, and I took the train in most days and I worked out of there unless I was at a client office, which was somewhere else down in Denver. I loved my city. Uh, you know, there was there was some you know woke stuff happening, and certainly, but it was beautiful, artistic. There were great you know museums. There still are great museums, but theaters. You could walk in the Civic Center Park without being accosted or um, spit on or, or or anything. Then COVID happened, and something really interesting happened because everybody like me who was traveling on the trains into the city each day, but lived somewhere else, right? We didn't see our city absolutely crumbling under the weight of the George Floyd protests, under the fact that there was nobody there in the the corporate economy in the city, which keeps a lot of it running, with, right? With all of the different services and everything that are geared towards that, the real estate costs, the economy got terrible, but also the whole city was yielded. By the time I went back, which was just driving. I, I didn't even go back in to the office there um, after COVID. I don't think maybe, maybe once or twice, but certainly not walking through the city like I did before because it was, everything was boarded up. It's covered in, in spray paint. Um, for the most of this, the summer of 2020, there was a uh, camping occupy movement basically from the Capitol building to civic center park, which is, you know, I don't know, five, six blocks, something like that. Full on, full blown encampments, right? Um, and then in in the run up to the election, they swept the encampments, right? Let's just make that just right, make right. The problem go away. Um, but all of that happened while the the majority of the Denver metro area, who prior would be going into the city for work and to go to sporting events and to enjoy the theaters and to enjoy the restaurants and the parades and the holiday events and all of the things, all of those people had no idea that their city had basically fallen. And now it's not safe. And it's like real not safe yeah. to go down there. I will not go into that city without my taser. <laughs> oh, you can't bring a firearm. It's oh. a gun-free zone. Bear spray. No, tasers are a great thing to have. Like you, Every woman should have – well, every woman should be – Armed to the teeth, as far as I'm concerned. Whatever, whatever you can, you're allowed to carry. You should be carrying. I feel like any perpetrator should have to worry about what device a woman is carrying that is going to like blow, melt, ignite their dick off. <laughs> um, that's what I think. Um, 
because, you know, it's just safe. But uh, there are really great tasers that, you know, my sister advocated a lot for for tasers. Have you ever watched somebody get tased? Oh, I accidentally tased myself once. Are you serious? <laughs> and yes, I have a, a friend that went through the police academy. And on the day that like, you know, one of the days they have to they all have to get tased. Mm -hmm. And then they record it and they play them at their graduation. And so I, I watched that yeah. happen to her. But yeah, I um I was I was very stupidly holding the wrong side of it in my hand and uh, she kills myself. Yeah. I had pepper spray on my keychain and my friend in high school like was spinning my keys. We were at my friend's house. My keys were on the island and my friend was spinning my keys and somehow like triggered it and sprayed like three of us with my pepper spray. Yeah, it's rough. pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. The uh, the chemical irritants are not fun. I had uh, I'd been pepper sprayed before, but whatever they used on January sixth, what well, my my throat hurt for a month and my voice has never been the same. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. yeah first thing I did when I got back, well, the first thing I did when I got back was call the founder of my firm who was talking about the insurrection and told him it was straight up wrong. I'm like, I was there. This is what happened. It's yeah. everything that they're saying is a lie. They actually retracted that um, corporate community. You know, they put out like a, oh my God, this is the worst day in history kind of thing. And they came back. It wasn't like a complete retraction, but it was like, we recognize that the right to protest is this. Because I lost my shit, oh, right? Good. I'm like, you guys have been supporting communists all summer long, right? We get, you gave a million dollars to Black Lives Matter. You uh, had everybody um, encourage the entire firm to go, to go to a, 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 a march put on by the Colorado Communist Party. Oh, we don't really align with the organizers of the march, but it's the spirit. I'm like, when is that going to hold up ever for anybody else except for you guys right now because you didn't do your due diligence on this? So when it came down that they're all like, oh my gosh, worst day ever. I'm like, hang on, guys. <laughs> like, So I did and they retracted a little bit. But the second thing that I did was go to my doctor and get the damage to my vocal cords on the, on the record. Well, that's good. I mean, what was it like chemical? It sounds like it was you were burned or something. Yeah, like, the, it, that was just what it was, was like showed shows chemical irritation and, and, you know, swelling and this, that and the other thing. But um, yeah, that's yeah, bad. it was it, it was not a, it was not OK because I was nowhere near any sort of violence. I was when you see the canisters start launching into people the opposite direction of the violence, that was how I was gassed. And it was completely unexpected. There was no warnings, no riot declaration, no, if you stay here, you're going to get gas that they did all throughout 2020 to people who were, um, you know, that they were going to start moving on crowds and riot, riot control. And they didn't do any of that for the people that were away from the violence out in the field, you know, and um, in the bleachers even and whatnot. Like they didn't do, they didn't do any of that. They just started gassing people. Yeah, that is uh you know, those were one of the, some of the moments, I'll, there have been multiple, I think, we keep getting more and more that are making um, people that trusted that that kind of thing would never happen to them. Because as long as I, as long as I don't break the law, as I, as long as I'm a good person, I can trust my government. I can trust that something like that isn't going to happen to me. These are the things that are um, crucial to people actually standing up to protect themselves um, because, you know, like we were talking about just a few minutes ago, the capabilities of the powers that be are only getting stronger and stronger. And we yeah. see these movies that are like, um, 
you know, science fiction for now, but they're kind of cautionary tales of what could be like them being able to read our minds. And yeah. where does it end with that? Like, how do we protect ourselves from something like that? Which basically the, the data collection is almost that. It is almost the same as being able to read your mind because they can predict your moves based on your patterns. Yeah. I think that um, so much of what they're doing right now, they're telling us is for our safety. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a massive disarmament push in Colorado over the past several years. And this year it's kind of fever pitchy and it's for your safety. We have to make you more vulnerable. We have to make soft targets softer. We have to make it make sure that if we send a mass shooter to that gathering, nobody's going to stop them with a firearm. That's what it feels like is yeah. happening. And then they're saying, cause, cause we need to keep you safe. Well, it's always our, our freedoms are always given up for safety. But number one, freedom is unsafe because life is unsafe and you never actually become safer. I remember uh, just the other day I was, I made a post in uh, the clean living chat about raw milk and a lady commented on it saying, oh, I would never, because you're never, you're not guaranteed when you drink raw milk that the, you know, the cleanliness of the people that are milking the cow or the cow, but there are no guarantees anyway. And, and, you know, the thing with raw milk, whatever, uh, I'm on this raw milk kick, but that's because I'm learning about how incredibly nutritious milk is. And I mean, everything, all food in its natural form, un unchanged, the way God made it can do miraculous things for our bodies. And it's in the processes that uh, with food that we have allergies, illnesses, sensitivities, all of these things. But anyway, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good metaphor for, um, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice my health for the security or the guarantee of the cleanliness of pasteurized milk. And keep in mind, I have had four, I have had, uh, food, um, foodborne illness. Uh, what am I, what am I saying here? Food poisoning. Uh, food poisoning four times in the last like 10 years, ah. all four times. One of them was when I was pregnant. It was super gnarly. All four times it was from vegetables or vegetarian things, salsa, vegetarian soups, things like that. It was never from meat or dairy. Um, and three of them were from Whole Foods. Um, wow. So yeah, like I just had like one of them was I literally got salsa at the grocery store and took a bite of it and I could feel it kind of um, felt fizzy in my mouth. Like it was carbonated and I spit yeah. it out immediately and I rinsed out my mouth, but that was enough. And You're I still got sick. I still got sick. But anyway, the point you is- You do know though, don't you? So you've had food poisoning four times. I've had it a few times. I always know what food caused it. You know, yeah. you oh, know yeah. exactly what it is, right? Yeah. When you get food poisoning, you know what it was that made you sick. For me, the the worst one was, was when I was pregnant and I was in the UK. And, and I think I've told you that story about the healthcare system in the UK when I was pregnant. But um, it was the wonton soup in Chinatown. And oh, I remember, oh. you know, I tasted it. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. And later on when I was sick, I'm like, it was the wontons that you know, you know what it is that made you sick. Yes, absolutely. Cause it'll turn your stomach forever more. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, giving up or when we live in fear by what they tell us and we get where we, we allow them to, um, you know, we've all handed over our brains or at least some of us did for a time to the FDA and all of these organizations that supposedly are going to tell, keep us safe and tell us, you know, what's, what's healthy for us and what isn't. And then you kind of realize, oh man, you know, I mean, like, think about it now. 
there are states where it's literally illegal to buy raw milk. Like we can't even be grownups and decide what it is we want to drink. Um, you know, you can go to the store and buy cigarettes in those same states yeah. or, you know, hundred proof alcohol. Well, and also the FDA has an allowable amount of maggots and canned goods. Right. So I don't know why we let those people tell us what's healthy or not. No, no. They also approve all the vaccines and Mm -hmm. they're, you know, the the FDA is, um, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? It is, it exists to give credibility to big business, to pharma companies, to food, you know, massive food, to Bear and Monsanto, to, you know, people that put, People that people that have maggots in their canned goods. Oh my God! When I learned about the maggots, oh yeah, that's you know. Well, it's not over the allowable amount of maggots. The what? <laughs> yeah, right. <sighs> there was just did you hear? There was just an airplane where um, the headline was um, passengers have maggots rain down upon them after <gasps> overhead bin is opened. Something like that. Like they op- oh open an overhead bin God. and just maggots. I got a Reese's peanut butter cup from a uh gas station maggots is like one of my worst my worst like maggots are there's not that much stuff that skeeves me out but maggots definitely is one 100 that's like tunnel vision like what the like that when in movies when they pull out but they zoom in at the same time and it's just like that that weird feeling that's exactly what i feel about maggots but gas station um in a at a truck stop got these peanut butter cups. Normally I would take them out and just pop them right in my mouth. But for whatever reason, I broke it in half and I won't tell you the rest of the story, but I have not eaten a peanut butter cup since. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's move. Let's, let's move (laughs) on from that story. Oh my gosh. I had a roommate, um, in, in college and I had gone home for a couple of weeks. It was like over, you know, holiday break or something. And she had stayed, but she had like, stayed and gone to her dad's house which was in you know in state where we were and just left like dirty dishes and everything everywhere so i get home and the apartment is trash and i'm like all pissed and everything and i go and i move this cereal bowl and in the ring is just like a ring of maggots all crawling all over each other i had never really like had much of an experience with maggots before that time my instinct was to go under the sink and grab the bleach and I just dumped bleach on top of them. And that worked. It got uh, got, got it over with. So I called my mom and I'm telling her the story. Oh, my gosh. And my mom, first thing she says is, did you bleach them? <laughs> I did. I don't know how I knew how to do that, but I did, mom. <laughs> it's innate. It came in your DNA. Well, yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff I think is – that's self-preservation. I mean, I think anybody um, – it has to be innate. It's like seeing it's like seeing a tiger. It puts you into fight or flight because it yeah. lets you know you're in danger. The same way that certain creepy crawlies, um, you know, this is how people got diseases and things like yeah. that. So you yeah. had to know that these weren't cute little, you know, ladybugs. Yeah. All right. So everybody in the chat, tell us with a um, number one, if you saw the fake Nazis today, because we're going to talk about the fake Nazis. Um, should we hit our last two sponsors before we? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's hear from uh, Mike Lindell. 
celebrate the new year, we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products. For example, save 60% on our Goose Down comforters, the best comforters ever. They go perfectly with our MyPillow bed sheets and duvet covers. Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are finally in. You save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. All right, let's talk about some Van Man. Have you had enough of big pharma and big toxic ingredients? Ditch the harsh chemicals and embrace nature with us. For too long, we've been hypnotized by big companies into using their chemical slot products. Their clever marketing campaigns and heavy lobbying allow them to use words like natural to describe products that are anything but. Meet the Van Man Company, where we're all about natural organic remedies. Hop in the van and try out our famous tallow and honey balm as a daily face and full body moisturizer. Use our Miracle Tooth Powder made from ground eggshells and uh, ground cattle bone to remineralize and naturally whiten your teeth. And try our new Coconut Magnesium Deodorant to keep you smelling fresh all day. We've got you covered and we do it all with products sourced naturally from American farms and made in San Diego, California. Visit badlandsmedia.tv slash vanman today and get free shipping on all orders over $40. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash Van Man, and I love the um, honey. I think I have it in here. Yep, the honey uh, tallow bomb is like it's this was my first experience with tallow ever, and so I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, and I seriously like this stuff on your hands and feet, and they, they say like use it on your face. Um, I have not tried it on my face yet, but uh, it smells really good. It smells like it reminds me of suntan lotion like oh. suntan lotion from the 80s probably the stuff that's like chemical and terrible for you but the, all this is is tallow so i kind of think that the stuff from the 80s is probably a little bit better than yes. it is now because once they realized they could kill us you know then all bets were off i think back then people had better intentions maybe not i might be being naive i love the tooth powder though and uh, i need to get more i was just thinking that this morning I'm almost out that's good stuff. but that's like i got that tooth powder months ago at that container it's like you know 20 26 bucks i think 20 something bucks for the container of tooth powder lasted a really long time way less than i buy two you know i would in the past i bought tooth uh paste your audio is not syncing up with your uh would you want to come out and come back in yeah i will do that so for those of you in the chat before we uh left ash was talking about um uh she she's gonna pop it up Oop. She'll pop it up in a second, but I guess there was another kind of fed fake, you know. Uh, yeah, is that better? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So I have the fake feds here or the fake. Okay, cool. Because so, I saw a little bit of it, but. Yeah. And I don't want to talk like all about the, the Nazis themselves. I want to talk about the reaction to okay. the that I got from saying that this. What are you ashamed of? You. <laughs> 
Is that the best you got? Best you got? Best you got? Show me your fucking faces! Where's your face? Where's your face? Show me your face! All right, that's enough of that. So um, I see that, and I'm like, well, that's fake. Right. And it's, it looks like, you know, Patriot front got new uniforms. And so I said, uh, that I was, hang on, let me share this other tab. Hang on one second. Hold for processing. All right. So I share that video and I say, look like taxpayer bought uh Patriot front's new uniforms. I get 64 comments on this, which is like a lot of comments on one of my posts. I know I don't I don't get to go viral. I'm very, very restricted um, on Twitter. So this guy here who you can see, he's a. Uh, 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 oh, Ukrainian, a Ukraine, a Ukraine. Uh, he looks a little bit like um, if Bert the Muppet were a human. <laughs> um, these guys, Ukraine flag in the bio. And he starts kind of chastising me. This is deeply concerning. And goes against the principles of tolerance and inclusivity. It's important for authorities to address and consens- condemn such hateful actions. You guys can see where this is going. So I'm like, wake up. Those motherfuckers aren't real. Like, they <laughs> they were paid to be there. Accus- accusations like this require cre- credible evidence. Blah, blah, blah. Moving on. Turns out. He's an AI language model. How so would- we get like 10 posts down and somebody else pops a, an article, another mutual that I have has a um, an article and it's like, I'd love your opinion on this article. And it comes back with as an AI language model. I don't have personal opinions. Now, at no point in the profile or in our interactions did this, you know, AI language model <laughs> um, say, you know, say that he's not human um insinuate that he instead it was you're not thinking about this right you're not being inclusive enough you're not this and that why the hell is computer code chastising me on the internet (laughs) yeah telling you how to be a better human um with a with a ukraine flag in your bio i'm sorry we can have a conversation about who's a better human and those nazi people the blood tribe people i maintain i think they're feds I think it's fake. I think it's meant to divide us and get everybody pointing the fingers and call each other Nazis. But if someone needs to own them, they're open Biden supporters who support sending weapons to Ukraine. Right. So if we're going to make somebody own the Nazis, it's not MAGA. Those Nazis are not MAGA Nazis. 100%. Because you will never see MAGA be like, never. Cool. All right. Well, they're at least, you know, fighting on the same team. No, every single time these knuckleheads come out in their brand new coordinated outfits with their work boots fresh out the box without a scuff. Brand new flags. Those flags have never seen the light of day. They were just printed. They were literally, they literally, nobody does that. Nobody in our movement or really anybody, nobody's like coordinating outfits. Yeah. Yeah. It's not real. You don't see those people. So here's, here's the problem that I have the most with the Nazi thing is that I spend a lot of time in real life with actual people in this movement, right? People on the right, people that are libertarian, people that consider themselves in the middle. I know some people that consider them like Christian nationalism, not Nazis, but like they want the government to be run by a religious. It's 
no, the <laughs> church can't even run itself. Don't give it the power of the government to. <laughs> but nowhere do you see that in any of the communities that comprise liberty-minded people. You don't see that. Mm-mm. You see that in Ukraine with the Azov Battalion. You see that in um, big pharma R&D functions where a lot of those Nazi scientists went when they left World War II. You see that in a lot of the establishment functions and you start to realize why it's a uniparty and why they keep trying to get us divided along these totally fake left and right lines because there's actual Nazis running the government. Yeah, um, I was just trying to look for, I can't remember what... um what account I did it on, but I did a thread one time after this that I thought was really interesting. Ah, snaps. I'm not going to find it. But it was basically um, mapping the Ku Klux Klan with uh, the FBI and the creation of the FBI. And obviously that existed pre-FBI, but there have been several iterations. The The Ku Klux Klan it originally was very small. It was very local. It didn't have, they weren't like, you know, they weren't organized. And then the FBI comes along and a couple years later, guess what? The Ku Klux Klan gets new life breathed into it. And now suddenly they have chapter uh, chapters and chapter leaders, and they have a, an official uniform, which is now funding the organization that is now national. And it's really interesting to look at stuff like that. And I like, I really do because I know evil people exist. I know idiots exist. I know there are actual racist people, but really in what quantities? Because we've been led to believe our whole lives that it was a, that it's a massive problem. Um, and you know, it, it's it's disgusting on every level. But anyway, so it's it's interesting to look at stuff like that and go back and and really consider how organic is really yes. everything that we've been led to believe. Yeah, it, it's a great it's a great question. It's like the the microcosm of that is um, I've heard so many folks, you know, at Badlands and, and outside of Badlands talk about how, you know, nothing goes viral that isn't sanctioned and permitted and allowed to be seen by the masses. I think that was thank you, Grow Wizard. Um, excuse me, everybody for sneezing. Um, but I think that that is uh, we're starting to see because back in the day. It would be like, I, I mean, I would have been one of the people saying, oh, that can't, you can't, th- there can't be that level of control. There, th- that level of, you know, before the internet, um, an organization like the KKK or something like that, that would come up from, you know, come, that kind of stuff could, would happen organically. You couldn't do it top down because too many people would have to know. Mm-hmm. It would be way too much to try and coordinate. And now with, you know, seeing how it's done in the inter- internet, I think we can see how it's done or could have been done more broadly in history. I was, you were talking about the creation of the, um, the KKK and overlapping the, the, you know, the FBI onto that. I'd also be interested in the timing of paperclip. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, so it wasn't a thread. It was just a tweet that I put this all together. And it was, you know, one of the last times, not one of the last times, but one of the times that something exactly like this happened, the faces covered in the matching outfits and everything's brand new and whatever. So a little interesting history that has absolutely same nothing. People. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the same, even number of people. It's like literally <laughs> probably the same guys. They just bust There's them in. like 15 of them and that's it. <laughs> exactly. And they prop most of them don't even speak probably because they're not even Americans. 
they're probably, you know, like there are sometimes that you'll hear something speak and I'm like, I swear to God, that person sounds Ukrainian. Like it, it's, you know, who knows if these people are even from the United States. Anyway, so a little interesting history that has absolutely nothing to do with the post below, just cause. Uh, did you know there have been multiple versions of the Klan? Yes, that Klan. The first version started just after the Civil War. It was mostly comprised of independent chapters in Southern US made of bigots that wanted to overthrow the Republican state governments. Each chapter was independent and autonomous. The, that version died out in 1892. You can look, by the way, look these up. You could even find this information in Wikipedia. We'll corroborate this. After years in hiatus, something brought the Klan back. The second version was much larger, members in the millions, and far, far more organized on a national scale. It employed marketing techniques and popular fraternal organization structure, sound familiar, mm -hmm. and was founded by funded by initiation fees and by the sale of their standard white costume, complete with dunce cap. This much more uh, systemized version was founded in 1915, roughly seven years after the creation of the FBI. Wow. So how long have they been doing this kind of stuff? You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I mean, the Klan, the, so I grew up in Georgia. So we learned, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of racist history. I think a lot more racist history than somebody that say grew up in Colorado mm -hmm. learned, right? Because my, when you're, when you're a kid and you're coming up to the school system, you're learning the state history that you live in. Right. And in the state of Georgia, there's a lot of racism in that history. And so, but I remember being, um, under 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 10 and we were driving through kennesaw uh to my brother's football game peewee football right uh i was you know maybe seven eight years old so he was nine ten years old and we stopped at a stoplight and i remember looking i, I remember this clearly it was a you know one of those formative experiences that you remember and there were clan members uh standing on the site and i knew they were clan members because they were in their full get-ups and they were waving at cars it was the middle of the day it was daylight and it was, you know, the mid eighties and they were brazen enough in the state of Georgia to stand on the side of the road and wave at cars and cars honked. Not a lot of them that I remember. I mean, this is, you know, 30 years ago. Well, it's, we'll be nice to me and say it was 30 years ago. You're right. It's so goofy. It really is. I mean, yeah. like I remember the first time I even like heard what racism was and, and, and found out what the Klan was. It was literally, I was homesick from school and there was an episode of Jerry Springer on TV and it was the first time I had ever heard oh. of anything like that. And I was probably about nine years old, uh, maybe 10. And I was, um, I was in tears. I was like so angry and I was so, I mean, it, it, you know, there's a reason that they put these things in front of our face. And, you know, when we see that, that it just kind of got resuscitated on a whole new level, seven years after the FBI is created, I think to myself, you know, without these kinds of things, what would the FBI do? So it's almost like the creation of the FBI, like they kind of have to, ensure their own um, occupations, right? By creating the problem, also like problem, reaction, solution. Here we are, the solution. What happens if, you know, we're not needed? Yeah, always. Yeah. It's all, that, that, that is, and that, I mean, getting back to, you know, the creation of some of these fraternal organizations back a hundred years ago, you know, potentially being top-down directed in an attempt to, sway the people, sway the population, create a boogeyman, bring in, uh, you know, cre create the problem, 
you know, manufacture the reaction to it. Everybody's fear all twirled up, twirled up and then you have the answer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the government expands every single freaking time. Every single time. Doesn't matter what boogeyman it is. Doesn't matter which party's in control. Doesn't matter. The government expands and liberty dies a little bit more every single time. Yeah, I once heard a quote that was something like the... I don't know. I'm going to butcher it, but um, I mean, obviously nobody that gets power willingly relinquishes it away, at least not to anybody that they aren't guaranteed to do the same thing with the power. You know what I mean? Um, so if you feel like you're being responsible, you're doing the responsible things, the responsible thing is to maintain the power or to um, pass it along to somebody who is also going to uphold your, your whatever. So, um, but the, the thing is, is that everything gets corrupted. Every ounce of power gets corrupted. Even good people can turn to bad things when they get that amount of power because they never want to go back and they will tell themselves like, oh, well, you know, yes, I'm doing these dirty deeds over here, but it's for the, you know, the greater good or for this thing over here that I believe in. And so, you know, when I see, when I think about these people that go and work for the FBI now, um, you know, once like I have a lot of, I have a lot of family members actually that are um, law enforcement or ex-law enforcement now. Um, and it was something that my family was always very proud of, you know, same thing on a different level with, you know, people whose children are signing up to join the military, mm. very different feeling now you know, than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, it will always be in my mind, um, honorable and, um, and I will always feel gratitude for it, but there's gotta be a different feeling for those people, especially under a Biden administration, um, and, and learning what we're learning about wars and why we get into them. Like once upon a time, you know, these people were very sure that they were protecting, um, our country Honor but I, and duty and sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got different, we've got different feelings about it. And even the military, you know, friends that I have that come home and they're like, they have a different perspective of what it is that they do and what, what it is they sign up to do. Same thing with the FBI. That used to be a prestigious job. Now I think anybody that introduced themselves and said like, Oh yeah, I, you know, work for the FBI or whatever, we'd be like, well, you're a, you're a dork. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my oldest son, always wanted to go into the military. That was his path. He was going to go into the army, follow after his father and grandfather's footsteps and go to college after, right? Cause then he'd get the GI bill. He'd have help paying for college, et cetera. Um, when he turned 18, it was, uh, you know, he, first of all, I'm of course like, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is it maybe if wait till Trump gets back in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, it was a decision for him, and he made he was like, no, I I can't I can't do it. That was when vaccine mandates were going on as well, so that was a big part of the decision is for him. Not at that time, but now he's exploring it again. I haven't said that um, on the air and all, and I'm not going to talk any any in any detail about it. But it's you know, heartstring like it's tugging, and I had so I said to him like, you okay before you sign anything because listen, a military recruiter their their metric what they're measured on is how many of you they can sign up. Right. It's a it's a it's a buyer's market, kiddo. So you are you're a catch. Right. You're unvaccinated. You're smart. You're strong. Right. I mean, he was, you know, took his hockey team to state. 
um, like you're, you're a catch. So you got to shop around, you got to figure out, get the, get the best deal. I can, you know, art of the deal, this right, like best deal that you can get for yourself. And I want you to talk to all of my friends. Right? <laughs> so I made him talk to a whole bunch of different, um, he talked to Brian and, and others, uh, that I won't mention. Um, and every single one of them were like, I wouldn't join right now. If I were you, I would wait, you know, just, just wait a year. You know, wait a year. You know what happens, but he has like in his mind, he has been waiting a year. He's almost 20. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like he's he he's yeah. Anyway, so I don't I don't know what he's gonna do. I'm praying about it. I support him in whatever he's do. If he does, he I know that if he goes in, he's going in out of you know duty, honor, sacrifice. That's been his plan to, you know, support and protect and defend the United States of America since he was a kid. He was raised with those values, right? My uh, my dad was a pilot in Vietnam, and he took my sons to air shows when they were kids and talked about the planes that he flew and, you know, all the kind of stuff. I've talked about best birthday I ever did um, for any of my kids. Well, obviously, the oldest. The other two get the total shaft. Anybody with multiple kids knows <laughs> this is true. It's very unfortunate, but it is true. But when, I, when he turned eight, I had to be in New York for a, a conference, and I couldn't get out of it. So I brought him with me because my in-laws still lived on Long Island. They spent the week with him. And then on the last day, which happened to be his birthday, my mother-in-law brought him into the um, city. And so I was at the night before they were coming into the city. So the night before his birthday, um, I was sitting at a dinner and I mentioned, oh, I'm taking my son to the Intrepid tomorrow. He's, you know, a huge plane kid and aircraft carrier, you know, all the, the warship, not an aircraft carrier, but whatever. Like, it, you know, eight-year-old boy's dream, right? Yeah. Well, the chick sitting next to me, who was a you know colleague of mine and a good friend. She said, oh, my my really good friend is the head of research there. Let me call him. We show up at the Intrepid and they have his name on the sign. They come take us out of line. They take him behind the you know ropes. He's able to climb on the planes, go back and see how they restore planes. They gave oh. him all this different kinds of stuff. It was the most amazing thing. Then I took him to see Spider-Man and Spider-Man dropped down. It was the, the Broadway show, right? Dropped down and sprayed him with web. Oh. I took him to the hard rock, the whole place, sang him happy birthday, my poor other children. Oh and I've God. never been able to do anything. That was just like a, a you know, it, kind of all these things aligned and came together to make like the best birthday party ever. And uh, I've never been able to, to do anything like it, but he, you know, he's had that, that heart's desire for the, you know, the military and, and everything that comes along with that since he was a, since he was a kid and real, you know, realizing that at this day and age with, the stumbly wombly in chief and stumbly wombly all of that yeah it's it's awful you know but uh i do believe it is getting better and is going to get better it's more like it was awful but we didn't know it and now it's getting better you know i mm -hmm. think um the more people like are, you know cuz as republicans or conservatives um or really anybody after 9-11 that was, you know, pro-American and, yeah. you know, stand up for, you know, when we were all united at that point, uh, we were all just, we trusted that our government knew what it was doing and that, you know, these, these men and women were being sent righteously, yeah. even if it didn't turn out well. And now, now we know better, but I do think it's getting better. So, I mean, I think, um, now we know that they knew exactly what they were doing and there was nothing righteous about it. Yeah, 100%. But I think, I think I, I have a, I think it's going to be good. I think we're, we're headed mm -hmm. towards 
And we need good men and women in our military right now because it re it really might come down to them here in the United States. And um, yeah. there's just something so incredibly selfless that I think is a, an important life lesson. Like all of the other stuff aside, obviously we don't want them going to wars. We, we want them, um, we want them safe, but there is a maturity that I think comes with being in the military that you really can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Especially not at that age, like not, not in, not without a lot of time. What other occupation are you going to get into? That's going to give yeah. you that kind of maturity and that kind of dignity and honor. Well, the thing is, you know, in my experience, the other with, you know, maybe some exceptions like the um, first responder type careers, mm -hmm. but yeah. most other professions are focused on money right? The yeah. goal is the money and the status. You talk about Wall Street professions or consulting professions or law professions, medical professions. The, the end goal is the success, not the, not, it's not so much creating, you know, shaping you as a person. Whereas in the military, that's very much a part of it, right? They've got to kind of strip you down and build you back up in order for you to be a, a soldier. And so you do get, it's a different experience in that you're, you're putting yourself into a, um, a situation where you recognize it's not about you and they're going to help make you appropriate for it, not mm -hmm. make it appropriate for you. Yeah. And that used to be the, the, um, yeah, I remember when, um, I joined PwC in 2002, I became a full-time employee in 2003, but I was on contract there in 2002. And it, that, that was just before the millennials started entering the workforce and it was cutthroat mm. and those professions are, and at the higher levels, not, you know, not the entry levels, they were still cutthroat and they still are cutthroat. But what you saw at the low, at the, you know, the, the entry levels was slowly starting to reshape the experience for this new generation of talent that was coming in because they were so important and they needed things differently. And that was probably the first sign that there was something very, very wrong with what was going on in the professional space, you know, the, the professional talent um, and recruiting, because it was at that same time that as a, you know, corporate communicator, I was starting to have to write LGBT or it was LGB at the time, LGB content. <laughs> Um, and it just, uh, you know, other things that were starting to head in the direction where if you had said it back then, Hey, we're going to end up in a place where the Denver, the Colorado general assembly is going to vote against putting pedophiles in prison because pedophiles might've been hurt too. And we need to, you know, focus on their feelings. That's what happened in Denver this week. But if I had said that in 2002, Hey, maybe we shouldn't be normalizing a lot of this stuff. Maybe we should actually, you would have been a crazy person. But that was absolutely the direction it was going. And oh, by the way, you pull the thread, we're there now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, you were talking about the first responders and, and you know, that's, that's, uh, that obviously is an occupation with dignity. And, and in some, my sister was a cop, was, no, she is no longer. And basically she just got spit on and called a dyke every day, but <laughs> by like gang members and, you know, whatever prostitutes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's very little in the world these days of uh, occupation wise where people are actually creating something. And I really do hope, you know, like we were talking about last night on the Liberty Den, 
getting back to basics and um, trade schools and and learning a craft, learning learning something useful, and that's going to take a, a mindset that of of our society to flip on what we're, what it is that these younger people are honoring right now which is you know I want to be a YouTuber I want to be as obnoxious as possible or I just want to sit on my ass and like you know take this money from over here and learn how to leverage it into money over here without actually creating anything without actually creating any value in the world and I do think because the natural tendency of each generation is to kind of flip on the one before that we are going to see the younger generation going back to um having occupations with that create value and actually provide something yeah i think that's right and i think that is i think that is the way i mean when you when you break it down take the macro problem that we have which i think is globalism um, and all of the, you know, the, the Luciferian aspects of it, the corporate control, control aspects of it, the, the, the poisoning us in every aspect of our lives aspect of it, the um, buying and selling of children aspects of it. Globalism is kind of the top level big bag. The answer to that is America first. It's reinvesting in our communities. It's reclaiming our um, president. Trump was talking in Michigan today and it was a great speech. He had tons of um, energy and it was uh really inspiring, not a ton of new messages, but he was in Michigan. So he's talking to the auto workers and he, um, was going hard at kind of the automation and the contracts that they're building. So there's, you know, automation is taking a lot of jobs away because they're, you know, either through robotics and, and enhanced manufacturing, they're automating them or their jobs that, you know, are being replaced by AI or other, types of automation and the, the jobs that remain are being shipped over for cheap labor, mm. it, whether that's in Asian countries or uh, India or, you know, even, even um, in the Southern, so, you know, our, our neighbors to the South. And so he was talking about rebringing all of those jobs here to the globalists will tell you, we can't, those, the, those aren't well-paying jobs for us because you can do that so much cheaper in China or India or Mexico that making Americans do that work. If, if we were given a, a, a true choice and informed consent about what the corporations are doing, um, I think that every single one of us would make the choice to pay a little bit more for our goods when they are building our communities, providing good paying jobs. But right now we have cheap Chinese crap Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of services and help desks that are delivered to us from people that barely speak the language and our experience, our quality of life has gone to absolute dog shit. Yeah. And we're told, well, if you want to do something about it, you're a racist and you're xenophobic and you don't understand the nature of the global economy. Yeah, kitten, I do. Mm -hmm. I, under I understand that, that globalism was a experiment that y'all have been trying for decades and when covid hit it failed by every objective metric and now you want another at bat you want to go after it and try and do it again but you want to keep your power and not have to deal with any of the wake of a disaster that you caused the first time around absolutely not but right the, but the reality is is well you know i don't i i i don't know if uh if i can stop going to walmart or I don't know if I can, you know, I don't know if I can, um, we, we can't make textiles here. It's real hard. 
We'd have to start growing cotton again, right? There's there, there there's problems that have to be solved for us to be able to manufacture textiles in the United States of America. Does not mean it can't be done, and it also doesn't mean that it's not worth it to try. Yeah, absolutely. We did it before, and you know, you're right. We all, I like myself included. I'll I'll get stuff on Amazon still because it's just so freaking convenient. convenient yeah. And that is, and I hate myself for it, but at the same time. It's the nature of life right now. Um, I do do my best to uh, find other sources for. I really don't consume all that much. Like the stuff that you know takes my mm -hmm. my house to run or whatever. I don't buy clothes. Like I don't. I don't go shopping. Um, so I try to um, you know do what I can. We all do, but the convenience is what we're up against more than anything because. Um, if if we did have a choice, I would gladly pay more money to have something that's made in America by a company that is quality. And every single person in this chat, all these people watching Badlands, all they all are the same. Um, even, you know, it's not that everybody has a bunch of extra money to spend. It's that we know that it is an investment in, in, in your uh, local area, in your country. It, you know, the more yeah. money you can spend locally, the better. Um, and all, you know, back to basics, like we learned with big government, oh, Hey, that's, you know, that actually doesn't work very well. It's yeah. so much more efficient when things are smaller and, and get taken care of at a local level. So that didn't work. So let's try globally. Let's try now moving it into an even bigger scale. And now we're, we wonder why, you know, that doesn't work. It's absolutely set up against us. There's there's no reason that we can't manufacture literally everything that we need here in the United States. Yeah. We have plenty of people. We have plenty of land. We have every single kind of land. We have every single kind of um, uh, weather. What am I talking about? Uh, you know, like certain um, climate, uh, climate. Thank you. Climate, we have every yeah. single kind of climate to grow every single kind. You know, it's not like we're all tropical or whatever. Right. Um, we have everything here. That's why it always it always drove me nuts. Uh, California is such a prime example of how shitty systems can break literally anything. You look at California, they have everything in this one state. They have mountains and snow and skiing. They have beaches and resorts. They have wine country. They have Disneyland. They have the entertainment industry. They have Silicon Valley. They have everything in this one state and they're bankrupt because they suck at running it. <laughs> yeah. The ports, the yes. ports that they have. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. No, it's a, it's a great point. It's why the, um, why, why elections should matter. Yeah. Um, speaking of elections next Saturday is the South Carolina primary. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to be talking about that. Um, I think we should also talk principles of Liberty. On oh yeah. Show. Let's do that real quick. Yeah, we, we don't have, I, mean, I can tee it up, but I think we can dig into it next week as we're kind of talking about elections and stuff because I oh, think gotcha. that's important. Cool. But I'll tell, um, <clears throat> I know some folks in the chat are going to have read this um, book. So I've mentioned that I was in the Tea Party. And back when I was in the Tea Party, I read this book, which pretty much everybody in the Tea Party read, which is The 5,000 Year Leap. And it talks about the principles of liberty and, um, you know, what it was that made America different and than every nation that came before it. And it enshrines these 28 principles of liberty. So I had totally forgotten about this book. I mean, I think about the principles in the book pretty frequently, actually, but I've forgotten about the book itself. And my son was cleaning his room this weekend, which was a 
glorious gift that I didn't expect. He had a girl coming over, um, <laughs> but he took everything out of his room and like he like I mean he was like cleaning like shelves in the closet and stuff. Like he he went to town on it. But when he did that, he found like a whole bunch of books that were just shoved in the back corner of the closet. A lot of them are my books. So I'm walking in the hallway today and there's a note card like about this big and I accidentally left it downstairs. So I'll, I'll have it for next week. But it lays out the 28 principles of liberty and it came out of the book, The 5,000 Year Leap. I'm reading through it, uh, you know, kind of thinking, oh, this is kind of cool, right? We just did Liberty Den last night mm -hmm. when we were talking about, you know, some of the principles of liberty. And I was thinking that would be a great discussion to kind of go through and look at from a, this is, you know, very kind of academic, uh, academic study. I'll read the, the um, o overview of the book. Uh, Discover the 28 principles of freedom and are found that our founding fathers said must be understood and perpetuated by every people who desire peace, prosperity, and freedom. Learn how adherence to these beliefs, beliefs during the past 200 years has brought about more progress than was made in the previous 5,000 years. And the principles are sound. The principles are, you know, there's some of them, like there's one of them that we need to have a robust societal education system. And I feel like we can maybe rethink that given how that can be abused, right. but it's, it's going to be fun to, to, uh, to dig into them and talk about them kind of in the context of uh, 2024. I love that. I'm, I'm excited for that. Looking, really looking forward to it. Um, all right. Well, we've got. I think we might uh, have some rants. Yeah, we've got a couple rants to read. Uh, oh, Quinn. D uh, but there's nothing there. Do you see anything on that? Or is mine just broken? On what? On the, the rants? rants? Yeah. Um, Except so I, I see. Hang on. All right. Dixept. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, sent a period. Okay. Well, thank you for getting your period with us. <laughs> yeah. Um, heating pad, you know, make sure you're wearing socks and um, chocolate is good. <laughs> lots and lots of chocolate. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much for the rant. And then I have uh, Papa, Papa DB one. Yeah, that one. Lobbyists Lobbyist. know what. So you go. Lobbyists know what's best for us. Absolutely, you guys. Listen to your listen to your lobbyists. Make sure you're doing everything that they're telling you. If they tell you to brush with fluoride, make sure you brush with extra fluoride. And uh, so we yes, and um, make sure that we outlaw paper grocery bags in favor of single use plastics. Um, make sure that we destroy river ecosystems, uh, to bring about hydroelectric power so we can fund Las Vegas. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll replace all of our plastic straws wrapped in paper with paper straws wrapped in plastic. Absolutely. Because environmentalism is a freaking brain disease. It's for the turtles guys, because yeah. the turtles know the difference. Um, I still can't see a six pack ring without cutting that thing though. I mean, oh, that's, I that's, yeah, have to, have to do it. You see the, like, have you seen those ones of like the fish that have it growing around them? Like, that's just horrible. Yeah. Why do we, the, why can't those things be made in paper? Like a real strong cardboard paper. Some of them do. I know. But yeah. That's a much bigger problem for the marine life. Also, well, maybe the corporations should stop dumping their shit in the ocean. 100%. But um, you mean even the stuff that we supposedly recycle, most of it gets shipped to China and dumped in the ocean anyway. So, yeah. um, but they do make, well, first of all, they can make those things that, that they eventually do biodegrade. 
they can make it out of, I forgot what it is, uh, but they're starting to make some like plastic utensils, forks, spoons, knives out of, out of this that is biodegradable. Eventually it takes a while. So I don't know why they don't do that, but also now some of them like tear apart, but you actually have to tear it apart. Yeah. It's so stupid. Or, or just like put them in cardboard. Like we used to do, like we still yeah. do sometimes. Not every, I hate those rains. Yeah. Those things were never. So, so the, 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 this, I'm so stuck on this freaking bag thing because we had, that was a law that just went into effect, right? They oh. banned plastic bags here, but we still get plastic bags. If you have Instacart, that right. stuff, I don't understand how that can work. Right. Like, how is it that it's like Instacart's allowed anyway? Um, but the whole thing with the bags was it was paper grocery bags used to be paper, right? You'd walk in with the two arms. This is, that's what I'm doing. I'm not like, you know, being vulgar. Like this is me holding grocery bags. <laughs> <laughs> but you had like that was how it was done and then it was oh my gosh you're killing the trees we're killing the trees we have to stop killing the trees so we're going to use these single-use plastic bags single-use plastic bags are now the greatest pollutant that there is on mm -hmm. the planet uh my lefty governor governor keeps telling us that all the time and especially in the state of colorado single-use plastic bags are the biggest problem okay but that's a problem you guys created yeah. Like stop creating problems, stop creating more problems with your solutions. And the reality of that is that it was lobbyists. Right. It had nothing to do with saving the planet or, you know, saving the trees as it were. And now the answer to um, the single use plastic bags is they've brought back the paper bags, um, but they charge you 10 cents for them. <laughs> so at the end yeah. of the day, we have three changes made by environmentalists. And the net effect of that is that they're making more money now. Well, I go to, when I go to Sprouts, <clears throat> they charge you 10 cents a bag to, to do a bag. And the, the, the thing about it though, is that now these plastic bags that they're charging you for are like 47 times thicker than the other ba bags. So it's using way more plastic for one bag. I mean, they're sturdy as heck. I'm not complaining, but exactly. They created this problem for us and it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, now they're going to try. I remember that was in California first. They did that in California first while I was living there like, you know, 20 years that was ago. the first time I had ever had to pay for a bag. I was at Mountain View. I was on the Google campus and I was on the Google campus. So I went to the store to get my kids some stuff, you know, and then they're like, do you want a bag? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, 10 cents. What? It like, yeah, no, that was a thing. And then, you know, that was, I don't know, 10 years ago and now it's here. I literally went to the grocery store today and, um, you know, now they also make you bag your own stuff. They don't have people there to bag for you. Like very rarely, sometimes somebody will be walking by and like help you or whatever. And so uh, my frazzled ass left. I went there literally specifically to get raw milk because they get their raw milk shipments on Fridays. And they're like, there was one left today. I usually buy four. Um, so I got to start going on Fridays, which is great because that means the more people are buying raw milk. Yeah. And I hope to see that, you know, sell out every single time so that they keep upping their supply. Anyway, uh, I left that bag in the thing. So I forgot to pull that out because I can't be trusted. I'm not, I was not trained to be a grocery bagger. Um, I am not equipped. I, they, nobody checked my resume before I went into the grocery store to see if I was actually capable of doing that. So I had to go all the way home. Myself, you think you are an election worker. Right, exactly. But I left it there and I uh, oh. had to drive so back. you got the one. Oh, did you get it though? Yeah, I did. Okay, good. 
I did. All right. And tattoo I got- teacher, um, thanks for a great week on Badlands, ladies. Thank you, tattoo teacher, so much for the rant. Appreciate yes, it. Yes. Thank you. Um, Quinn says, sorry, Kate and Ash. I barely know what I'm doing. You guys were my first rant. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was so sweet. Um, all right, guys. Well, make sure you please touch the thumb for us before we scoot out of here. Uh, power yeah, hours. We haven't asked at all about that. We haven't asked not even one time for people to to hit the thumb. I know. Or, um, Patrick will be very upset with us. We're not. I know. We're not holding the line at all. I know. But uh, Speckled Boots says I use reu- reusable cloth bags. I think they should be mandated. Well, uh, I disagree on mandating anything because. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's just not what's best for business. Sometimes it's just not what's best for people. You never know. Um, There's also uh, quite a lot of germ problems with reusable cloth bags that we learned in uh, COVID times. Lots of people are getting sick. And who remembers them? And I never do. Yeah. I'll tell you what I like, though. When I was at the grocery store the last time, I saw they had what they called, you know, corrugated tote or something. But it was a box, just, you know, like a document box, but a little bit bigger and wider. And I just was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to grab one of those. It was $2.39, I think, for the box. And that that was much more, um, I think, convenient. Because yeah. what I was able to do is a, the box was in the cart. And then I was able to see, you know, put everything in there, scan it out, put it back in the box. And it's, you know, you don't have bags flopping all over the car. Well, I hated the plastic bags because I never used them. They were just trash then. And that's very wasteful. For sure. Man, I used to live on a th- in a third floor apartment that had no elevator. And I was like, I would, I was like on a mission to carry every grocery up the stairs at once. I was not going to take t- multiple trips. So I was like hulking out, carrying all these bags on my arms, like cutting off the circulation. I would get back, I would get up to my apartment and I would have like these welts on my arms yeah. from carrying those bags. Bags are really not convenient. A box sounds like it would be way yeah. more, a way better idea. But yeah, I was it was mind blowing for me because it was just like this is so much easier. Why have we been doing this whole bag thing for so long? So I'm I'm going the box route from now on. Eventually, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna get one of those baskets for the top of my head, and I'm just gonna do that. Kitco, we are regressing. We are regressing as a society. So hey, back to basics. Kitco, <laughs> nothing like using paper straw as your plane dumps fuel all over the desert and ocean during an emergency <laughs> landing. <laughs> Very good point, Kitty. Exactly. If I'm gonna die in a in a fiery inferno, I don't want my teeth to hurt while I'm drinking my beverage. All right, <laughs> oh guys. Well, we'll There's see nothing you. I hate more than a paper straw, though. Oh, I hate it too. I hate. Whatever. it. Yeah. All right. Hit the we'll thumb, everybody. Touch the thumb. We'll see you guys next week. We'll see you in the chat over on DPH. Uh, thank you for being here. Bye, guys. Bye. Lord knows I've tried to paint that town every shade of red There's a lot of whiskey bottles and skeletons I broke more hearts than the strings of my guitars But one was gold and damn sure wouldn't bend She saw her baby in the crazy, her child in the wild She brought me in this world and kept me here Saw me coming a mile away So 
telephone cable Leaving tears on the table Saying, what did my boy do this time? Yeah, she could have hung up or gave up Said she was fed up But she looked up and prayed to Jesus to hold her eye Yeah, that devil downstairs Sure tried hard to get me there But he didn't stand a chance again Five foot five full of grace, full of pride She saw me coming a mile away So far from heaven, no chance I would get it She didn't see me that way Oh, the devil only knows a sinner I would be But mama raised the hell out of me Yeah, mama raised the hell right out of me She saw her baby in the crazy Her child in the wild She brought me in this world and kept me here Five foot five full of grace, full of pride She saw me coming a mile away So far from heaven, no chance I would get it me